Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Are you implying that I've never met a Bible I didn't want to steal? Oh my gosh. I have been known to check myself into a hotel and grab myself a Gideon a few times, if you know what I'm saying. You do, right? You know what I'm saying? Those things are free. That comes with a room, all right? That's awesome. That's a pretty cheap Bible. Fantastic. Well, hey, this morning, who's been blessed by the Lord already? Like, honestly, I don't even know what else I have to offer this morning because I feel like the Holy Spirit has already done it. Come on, somebody. It is like this. Honest to God, if you're new with us, it's like this every week. The Holy Spirit meets us in this place, and he does what only he can do. It's not built off the talents of me or the talents of Adrienne or charisma or any other leader in this place. We come, we partner, we serve, we give, we build, but we are only co-laboring with what Christ is already doing. Amen. Come on. God is always interested in meeting with us. It's all about the invitation, and we invite him every single week. Are you glad that God accepted your invitation to be here today? Come on, he's in the house. Well, this morning, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm emotional, and uh, how many of you know that God is only, how do I want to say this? God, God is only required to be faithful to what he has asked of you, not what you just decide to start on your own, amen? Like, we have great ideas, we have grand ideas, but God doesn't have to bless it. God doesn't have to grow it if God didn't order it. But I gotta tell you what, he has been faithful to this house. Our story don't look like everybody else's story. The church we came from doesn't look like other churches that send out churches to plant. We had $80 to our name, to our church, to all of this, and the Lord in four years has done the miraculous. You can praise him, that's okay. We are not a quiet church, if you haven't uh, noticed. But this is incredible, and I'm just so grateful that through all... <laughs> I received a word this week from one of my mentors. He said, Matt, God took all of your stupidity uh, into account when he called you. And I was like, that's great. That's so good to hear, because despite my most self-destructive and best efforts to do so, he has built his church that a gates of hell cannot prevail against. My own stupidity cannot prevail against that God is faithful to this generation, amen? You mind if I preach the word this morning? Man, we've been in a series called Agreements. It should be up on the backboard. Somebody say agreements. Agreements, and how many of you know as Christians, as people of not just faith, but of people of Jesus' faith, of people called by Jesus, restored by Jesus, saved by Jesus, redeemed by Jesus. Do I have any redeemed in the house this morning? Come on, somebody. How many of you know what we agree with, what we partner with, what we decide that we are going to identify with? How many of you know this affects not just us in the natural, but us in the spiritual, us in the emotional, us in the mental? Come on, somebody. The things that we decide, you know what? I agree with that will have ramifications and consequences, good, bad, or otherwise, on our lives. And how many of you know even more than just our lives, the things that we choose to agree with will affect our relationship with Jesus? Good, bad, or otherwise. 
And we don't serve an indifferent God or who wants an indifferent relationship with us. He wants our heart. He wants our lives. He wants it all or nothing. So this series is all about going after those agreements that you and I are so prone to make. And I say you and I, and I mean that you and I specifically are prone to make. And we are going to see chains break every single week. Amen. Can you give it up for Pastor Scott who preached a great message, closed the gap last week? Come on. Awesome. Well, this morning, I'm going to preach to you a message that I have titled, where's my note takers at? Where are we at in the house? We good? Note takers? Come on. The title of the message, I called it, Call It What It Is. Call it what it is. Somebody turn to their neighbor and say, you got to start calling it what it is. You got to start calling it what it is. How many of you know, how many of you know there is an inflation issue going on in our nation right now? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Matt, I thought we were here for good news. I am. Okay. There is an inflation in our economy, in our nation, that is, that is what is being called the greatest inflation crisis of the history of our country. This is not hyperbole. This is a real thing. But friends, I'm here to tell you there is a greater inflation in the earth and in this country than just our economy. It is the inflation of lies in the heart of men. Yeah, we go in there, okay? I know it's four years celebration, but that don't mean we don't get fed, amen? Come on, who came for milk and who came for meat today? Because I came for some meat. I came with beef jerky. Beef jerky is just a meat raisin. Anyways, think about it. Think about it. I just blew your minds. You're like, the inflation bar was good, but meat raisin makes a lot of sense. It does. Ron Swanson, thank you. And how many of you know that we have a supply chain crisis in our nation right now? How many of you know that gas prices are high, that food prices are high, that all things are high right now? Come on. We know that. Do you know what we have a greater supply chain crisis of in our nation right now than food and gas and, 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 and uh, materials? We have a supply chain crisis of truth in our nation. But truth isn't being held off in some docks offside of our country, held off on some boats outside of our country. No, truth is being held within the church, and we are going to be a church that brings that to the nations. Amen. We are the sent ones. We are the burning ones. We are the people proclaiming good news in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. Amen. Do I got any locust-eating, beard-growing John the Baptist men and women in the house this morning? Come on. Let's get weird this morning. But we're going to start calling it what it is. Who's got their Bibles? Show of hands. Who's got me a leather bound? Somebody got a big old heathen choker over there? I see one in the back. There we go. My wife is like, don't ever say that again. Come on, somebody. Got me a heathen choker Bible up in this mug. All right. We're going back. We're going back to the Old Testament this morning. Somebody said the OT? OT. I've been having fun playing around the Old Testament lately. 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 40. If you don't, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Yo, give it up for Michael holding it down on audio. And give it up for Kelsey holding it down on the visual. Come on, somebody. And if you're looking for a place to serve, that is a great place to start. You will learn some cool stuff and be a part of a great team. 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 40. Here we go. When the words that David spoke were heard... They repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war 
from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for my daddy. And when there was a lion or a bear, I took a, or, and, that, and that took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me again, I struck, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Come on, somebody. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Go. And the Lord be with thee. Then Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with his coat of mail, chain mail that is. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. I cannot go with these. I cannot go with these. I feel like some Christians in this day and in this hour need to start having a David proclamation, and we need to start saying to our world and to our culture, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off, and then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Call it what it is. We're going to pray, and then we're going to break that down. Sound good? Who loves prayer? Fantastic. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Right now, God, we ask we ask that you would just begin to do something amazing in this house, that you would stir within your people a fire, God, a fire that's not uh, set with uh, prejudice towards lies, but an allegiance towards truth. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that your heart can get poisoned when you have prejudice towards lies and not an allegiance towards truth? It is easy to burn with anger and hatred for the lies that are being said, but that's not what the Lord is asking of this church and of the church at large. He is asking us to have an allegiance to the truth, not just a prejudice towards the lies. So, Father, I ask right now that you would start a fire in us that is so undeniable, so uncontainable, that is so contagious, Father God, that we would yearn for it, that we would burn for it, God, that we would sacrifice anything on the altar for it, God, that we would give every inch and ounce of our lives to see you rule and reign in the earth. And right now, Father God, I just speak over this room your word. And we say that Isaiah 53, 5, by your stripes you have been healed, God. And we're going to keep knocking and we're going to keep singing it, and we're going to keep saying it, and we're going to keep proclaiming it, because there are people who have holes in their arms. There are people who have broken bones in their legs. There are people who have unactive cancer cells still residing in their bodies. There are people in this room that have uh, disease, that have viruses still occupying their body, God, and we are bold enough, and we are loud enough, and we are crazy enough, and we are dumb enough to stand up here, God, and to say, we believe you. We believe you, Father God, so come and have your way in our bodies. Come and have your way in our marriages. Come and have your way in our mental well-being, Father God. Come and have your way in our purity. Set us apart and set us on fire and set us up to be the disciples and the people and the men and women of God and faith in Jesus that you have called us to be in a faith-filled army of the Lord set. Amen. Amen call it what it is call it what it is not gonna lie this week um was a great week 
you know, we're celebrating four years, we're getting stoked, like, we're, we're planning, and we're doing all these things, and we're having all these conversations, and, like, it's been a great week, and then Thursday was, like, my message prep day, and I had a meeting, and then, like, in that meeting, I, I found out that some other uh, amazing church and pastors were actually closing their doors and, and, and finishing up, and and there was a lot of heaviness that from that conversation that just kind of rested on me. And, and so Thursday was a fight for me because my heart breaks, my heart grieves. Like, I love the bride of Christ. I love the local church. I love this amazing, beautiful, and somewhat messy but crazy misfit island of bride that Jesus is forming and shaping in the earth. Does anybody else love the bride of Christ? I do. I know, I know we got flaws, and I know we got issues, and... But man, she's beautiful. And Christ died for her. And he said he will build her. And I am so enamored and just full of love and affection for the bride of Christ. And so my heart was, to be honest, I was grieved. I was grieved. I didn't know what to do with that. To me, I couldn't fathom, and it's no shame or anything on them. I don't have their race. I don't have their story. I've never lived their ministry. I haven't done that. But I know for me, you were going to have to kill me to stop this. And I got to tell you, as I was trying to get this message out of me, I just had this dark gunk on me for two days straight. And I was up at 5 a.m. the next day because I fought all day Thursday to try and do this with the Lord. I just couldn't get this thing off me. And then it's Friday at 5 a.m. rolled around, and I'm sitting with the Lord. Changed my entire thing because he downloaded this into me. And he's like, Matt, you just need to start calling it what it is. You need to start calling it what it is. And I was like, Lord, I don't even understand what that means. Call it what it is. And he's like, so many Christians are defeated prematurely before the battle even begins. They will show up to the battle lines, to the battlefield. They will have some pushback. They will have some pullback. They will come up against some sort of resistance. But before the resistance is even felt, before a, before a sword is even swung, before a gun even goes off, before a word is even said on the battlefield, we are already defeated because we have not called it what it is. We've been defeated by what it looks like. So many Christians, if we do not call it what it is, we will succumb simply to what it looks like. Because, friends, I came with a fire in my belly today to proclaim to us that in four years, we're going into our fifth year strong, we're going to be a church that calls it what it looks like, and we will not succumb to, we will call it what it is and not succumb to what it looks like. Amen? And why do I say it that way? Because how many of you know we have a greater perspective? How many of you know we have a higher truth? How many of you know we have a vantage point that is set above every single enemy, every single resistance, every single sickness, every single doubt, every single marital issue, every single purity issue, every single cultural issue, every single physical enemy, spiritual enemy, anything that raises itself against what God has called us to be. We are called as Christians to have a higher perspective. Amen. We have a higher vantage point. But so many Christians, for, the, well, for too long, but certainly for the last two years, we have lived a life of perpetual defeatedness. We have found ourselves in a season where we just go, I don't know what it is, I just feel like i got a spirit of defeat on me. 
I just feel defeated. I feel deflated. I feel depressed. I feel DD, 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 and DD everything. I feel all of it. And I don't know what to do with it. And I don't know where my faith went. And I don't know what's going on. But I've been shut in. And the news is bad. And it's all terrible. And it's just like, what do I do? Has anybody been there? I've had days like that in the last two years. Don't tell me you haven't. I have. God, I turn on the news right now and I see what's going on in Canada. And I'm just like, Lord, come back anytime. Are you kidding me? This isn't about a political platform. This is about a freedom and truth platform. And I'm sorry, Stalin to the north of us ain't cutting it. But we live in this defeated, succumb to our enemy kind of place because Christians, I don't know if it's because we've gone to dead churches with dead preachers that are preaching dead messages to dead men and women, and we've been ill-informed and ill-advised and uninitiated. Or we simply just believe that it's silly to speak with dominion and authority. And when Jesus says, greater things will you do than even I, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, maybe we think it's silly, maybe we think it's trivial, maybe we've never been initiated, but in this house, we don't think it's silly, we call it dominion. We don't think it's trivial, we call it authority. We don't think it's dumb or audacious or brazen, we think it's biblical. I'm sorry, those that actually believe the Word of God are the ones that do the things in the Word of God. Friends, some of us, we have got to stop raging war like the world does and then expecting to win like the Lord does. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on, somebody. Call it what it is. We cannot win the wars in our lives by fighting the wars in our lives the way the world fights the wars in their lives. No, 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 no. We do not fight the way the world fights and expect to win the way the Lord wins. How many of you know the Lord has never fought a battle that he didn't walk away victorious? I'm going to fight the way the Lord fights. This church is going to fight the way the Lord fights. And that's not by giving out informative prayers, but inviting prayers. And we're going to ask the Lord to come and meet us in these places, in, this, in our situation, in our circumstances. And we are going to believe what the Word of God says about everything. Why? Because guess what my favorite thing about the Word of God is? One of my favorite things about the Word of God is, other than the fact that it's true, the Word of God don't give a rip about what Matt thinks. It don't. I love it. The Word of God does not care about my feelings. It does not care about my perception. It does not care about my history or my lived-in experiences. It doesn't care about my vantage point at all. The Word of God does not consult me and go, Pastor Matt, what do you think about this? The Word of God is not impressed with my title or my degrees or my church or anything I've accomplished in my mortal life. The Word of God is impressed with what God wants to accomplish through my mortal life. The Word of God is impressed with what God wants to accomplish through our mortal lives. Amen. The Word of God is completely consumed and completely convinced and completely persuaded, not by Matt's persuasions or my compulsions, or my ideas, or my theories, or my best efforts, but God's theories, God's words, God's best efforts, Jesus on the cross, Holy Spirit dwelling in people, going into all the world and making disciples of every nation. And we still cast out demons. Can't look at the world today and don't tell me there ain't demonic presence everywhere. 
a big one called TikTok. Shots fired in the streets. I don't give a rip. Dead set. Some of us have been making agreements with what we see on TikTok rather than what we're hearing in church and what we're reading in our Bible. No, no, dead set. Before, we used to have the ability where, uh, hey, if you were a heretic, you couldn't print a book because Christians actually stood at the gates and watched. And now we got TikTok and Instagram preachers out here spreading false gospels and false news and leading Gen Z straight to hell. Nah, TikTok don't win for me. The word of God wins for me. My favorite part about being a pastor is, yeah, I got a lot of arrows that fly at me, but at the end of the day, I get to say, take it up with Jesus, because I said nothing that he didn't say. I said nothing that God didn't put in his word. This is not my opinion. This is not my political platform. This is not a place where I just shout what I think because I have a microphone. No. This is about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus, and it will always remain Jesus. And our lives, friends, will be marked by what God wants to do in the earth when we decide to make agreements with what God says it is, what God says you are, and what's really going on here, rather than what our enemy says, what culture says, what the world says. Come on, somebody. Friends, we do not wage war the way the world wages war. We wage war the way the Lord wages war. Does anybody want victory in their lives this morning? Imagine. This isn't in my notes, but this is for free. I don't, we're, we're just going to run the clock down. We're going to see what the Lord will do. Imagine what your marriage would look like if you quit waging the war for your marriage the way the world wages the war for their marriage. Imagine what your sexuality would look like when you stop waging war the way the world has waged war, but you start waging war for that the way the Lord wages war for that. Imagine what your identity would be, depression would be, sickness in your body would be. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what the last two years of our lives would have looked like if we waged war on COVID and in culture the way the Lord wages war on COVID and culture. I'm not sorry, because God is able do you know what he says about sickness? He calls it healed. Do you know what he says about government? He says it's on his shoulders, not on yours. Right? You know what he says about demons? He says, flee, run, go into some pigs and jump off a cliff, bro. We ain't got time for you. Come on, somebody. Do you know what he says about marriage? One man, one woman, and make it holy. You know what he says about your sexuality? Marry the person you're burning for passion for, or stop. <laughs> like, imagine these things that plague us. Drugs, alcohol. You want to get drunk? Get drunk in the spirit. What you doing with them pills? It's all biblical. It's all in there. And guess what? I'm not saying it because I'm perfect. I'm saying it because he delivered for me from like every single one of those. This is what he does. But we're going to be a church that calls it what it is. And we are not going to succumb to what it looks like. Friends, friends, friends. If you make an agreement with the enemy, don't be surprised when you lose with the enemy. Don't be surprised. I'm just preaching to anybody this morning. Come on, somebody. Don't be surprised when you just get out on the battlefield and you do what Saul did. We're going to get back to the scripture in a second. And you just take one look at Goliath and you're like, huh? Like, Jehovah Rapha! Or no, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Woo, Israel. Oh, that's a big hoss. Oh, God. 
Oh, he's, he's big. He's big. What do we, what do we do with that? Saul, you're the king. Yeah, I'm asking for advice, you know? I'm asking for advice. Uh, somebody send the jester and see if he survives. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Friends, we need to start living by the word of God and instead of by the rearview mirror. And I don't mean necessarily looking at your past. I mean looking at the world through the lens of a mirror because objects may appear larger in the mirror. The word of God is how we examine ourselves and how we examine our bodies, how we examine our lives, how we examine our battles, how we examine our fights. Not the mirror, not our own strength, not what we're scared of, not what we're in fear by, not by what terrorizes us. Goliath might look big to you looking at you in the mirror, but when we look at the word of God, we see how big God is, how little Goliath is, and how small and ill-equipped we are. But he's able. But he's able. So what does it have to do with any of this? Well, here we go. Call it what it is. Here's David. Who loves David? I love David. David's got some issues. David done some dumb things. Me and David, we probably would hang out. <laughs> and we would get in trouble, and then we would get canceled. Okay? It just, it's, it's part of it. It's just a part of it. It's, you don't know the mess of my message or the test of my money. Okay? Don't you dare judge me. But David is the man, in my opinion. I love it. It says that he's a redhead, okay? It says that he was a redhead, which is awesome to me. And I'm like, yeah, there's a redhead in the line of Jesus. And then he realized that that's through Joseph's side, and he needed a name and the whole nine yards. And you're like, Jesus ain't got no ginger in him, bro. And it's like, <laughs> thought I had one, you know? I got the Weasley brothers. Thought I had Jesus. But David, he shows up, and he's just going to this battlefield because he's a shepherd boy at this point in time. He's a little field guy. He is out there with his harp and his long hair wearing some Birkenstocks looking like a dork, okay? Yeah, Birkenstocks. I'll come at this all day long. Sorry, I see it out there. In the wintertime, what are you doing anyways? Oh, gosh, Matt has said so many offensive things today. But he rolls up to the battlefield because his dad said, hey, go check on your brothers. See how they're doing out there. Bring in some Jimmy Johns and, you know, come back with a good report. So he goes out there, and it takes him forever because he keeps slipping out of his barking stocks, and he finally gets there. He finally gets there, and he's got his top knot up and his sandals on. He's doing his thing, and he's got little short shorts on. I'm just making fun right now. And he rolls up to the field, and he finds just the Lord's army, Israel, just, you know, just like that. Actually, that's not what he finds. He doesn't find anything close to that. He rolls up and he sees his brothers looking defeated. He sees Saul in a panic in the corner. The king, the king that, that, that Israel wants it. Israel told God, yeah, yeah, you're cool and all, but we really think we just kind of need like a man. But like, like, like We need God with some skin on him, and we can't wait for the Messiah one day. So if you could give us a king, that'd be great. And guess what? How many of you know when you ask God for something other than God. Don't be surprised when it sucks. Straight facts, no printer, right? Don't be surprised. When you ask God for someone or something that isn't him, don't be surprised 
when it sucks. That's a word for some single people up in this place today, by the way. God, I'm tired of being alone. Yeah, I didn't realize I was riding shotgun. He's enough. If he's not, nobody else or anything will ever be, including Saul. So Saul, he's cowering in the corner, and he rolls up, Dave rolls up. He's like, what is going on? What is even happening right now? Like, this is not the Lord's armies. What is happening here? And David rolls up, and he says something that I want to prophetically declare over this church, over our pastors, and especially the three that we just ordained. David says a word in here that should shape the next generation, that should radically shake Grand Rapids, Wyoming, Kentwood, all of it, Rockford, everybody to its core. Every suburb, this should take over. David says this. He says to Saul, and he looks at everybody just defeated, just defeated. What is this rubbish? He looks at them and he goes, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and defeat it. He says, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant David will go and defeat it. And you know what I want to say to the pastors in the room? Don't let this generation fail because of culture, because of COVID, because of fear, because of depression, because of suicide. Go and defeat it. Go and defeat it. Every single Christian in here under the sound of my voice, you've got your own battles to fight. You've got a world out there to save. Don't leave it to the pastors. You are fishers of men and fishers of women, okay? You yourselves are here to cast some nets. Don't let divorce, older generation, married people, don't let divorce have this generation. Don't let hearts fail because of divorce. Go and defeat it. Single people in here, don't let your generation's heart fail because of pornography. Go and defeat it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on. Christians, we need you. This isn't enough. This is a rally. This is an edification. The Lord sent me here today to build us all up, to equip the saints for every good work. And every good work begins and ends when Christians, the saints, begin to call it what it is, not just what it looks like. So David says this, and what does Saul do? Saul's in this weird place. Saul's in this weird place that I have found myself in so many times where, um, okay, the battle's big. My pride is too strong to retreat. And uh, I'm not going to fight. So I'm just, I'm here. I'm here, Lord. You can save me, smite me, kill me, take me. I don't care. I don't want that. And I'm too prideful to run. So... I'm kind of stalled out. <laughs> and Saul is stalled. Saul is stalled. Better not call Saul. Saul is stalled. Saul is in his armor shaking. And you want to know why Saul stalled, stalled out? It's the same reason I stall out. It's the same reason you stall out. It's because before the battle ever began, he decided based on what his opposition looked like, what his opposition sounded like, how loud his opposition was, how big the enemy was, all of it. He took one look at the armies of the Philistines. He took one look at how big Goliath was, and he went, we can't win. I mean, we can't retreat. And friends, 
being lethargic to the fight of our world, being lethargic to the fight of your marriage, being lethargic to the fight of this generation. How many of you know you don't get to just exist on a battlefield? On a battlefield, you are either living or you are dying. You are either taking ground or you are giving ground. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is what it is. For your birthday, I thought we were going to celebrate testimonies and things. We are. The testimony of one day when Grand Rapids is rescued. Right? Revelation says it's the spirit of Jesus. is the testimony of prophecy. Come on. Right? Like he's, he can do it. So I am celebrating the testimony of the prophecy that Grand Rapids will be saved. So what happens next is Saul looks at him already defeated. He looks at David and he's like, you, you're just a youth. <laughs> like, you out here with sandwiches, Birkenstocks, and a shepherd bag. That man has been a man of war since his youth. He is a Philistine. He is massive. Y'all remember Philistine from a couple weeks ago, right? They tried to kill Samson. Delilah was a, Sam, uh, was a Philistine. Remember Delilah? Delilah. Yeah, that girl. Okay. We all remember Sunday nights at 5 p.m. calling into Delilah. Don't act like you don't. Delilah, can you play tearing up my heart for, for Tessa? Like, I just, uh. right? Come on. I can't be the only person that succumbed to that. Anyways. So there's the Philistine armies and Saul, he's looking at David and David just hears these things and Saul is already defeated. Saul is already defeated. Before a battle had even begun, before an axe had even been swung, before a sword had even been drawn, he was defeated because he did not believe what the word of God said about him. Guys, just because Saul wasn't God's first answer to Israel's problems, doesn't mean that it wasn't anointed, doesn't mean that he wasn't called, doesn't mean that he wasn't positioned to be king. God still put him there. God still called him to lead these people. God still called him to do something. He had God on his side. Like the great Frederick Douglass says, one in God is the majority. One in God is the majority. I said one in God is the majority. You want to talk about your marriage heading towards divorce? One and God is the majority. Talk about your workplace? One and God is the majority. Talk about your campus? One and God is the majority. Come on, somebody. Saul says, you're just a youth. He's a big man. And David says the best thing I've ever read in the Bible besides John 3.16. Obviously, let me save myself right there. He looks at him, he looks at Saul, and he looks at the Lord's armies, and he's just like, these men are shaking in their armor. I'm in Birkenstocks, and this uncircumcised Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine, he looks at Saul, and he goes, Saul, I may not be king yet, because at this point, he already knew, he already knew, he was called, he already knew he was called. He already knew. That already happened. At this point, David is like, I'm just out here in the field doing what I'm called to do right now, and one day I will be where I'm supposed to be. Can I just say to you right now that if you're not faithful in the field, God doesn't have to give you the palace? Is that a good word for anybody this morning? 
See, David was faithful in the field. You see, he said, he was, he said that a, a lion had come, and he struck it down when it tried to take a lamb. And when it rose against him again, a second time, he grabbed it by the beard and put it down. He said when a bear came, the bear came and tried to take another lamb, and he chased after it, and he pursued it, and he put that bear down and took it from its mouth and took it back to his father's field. You see, friends, this whole idea of like, yeah, yeah, I'll be blessed or I'll be favored or I'll be doing what I was made to do when I get to where I want to be, where I'm called to be, to my higher calling. No, 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 no. You might have a higher calling, but you are purpose for where you are now. And if you are not faithful in that field, God does not have to be faithful to give you the palace. Preaching anybody this morning? Ask Charlie about his testimony sometime. He'll tell you. Dead set. Be faithful in the field. He'll give you the palace. And so he tells Saul this. He tells Saul this. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. I haven't led an army yet, but I led a farm. And guess what? When the bear came, took it out. The Lord delivered me from its paw. When the lion came, took it out. The Lord delivered me from its mouth. And guess what, Saul? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like the bear and be like the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from his sword. In fact, the Lord is going to deliver Goliath into my hands. I love that David looked at Goliath and he said this, and he said it loud. He said it loud for Saul and for all the Lord's armies to hear, because when he said this, you could just tell by the scripture, like, Saul's getting a little stoked. You know what I mean? Like Saul's like, yeah, 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 this is kind of making sense now. Like, you know what? My eyes are getting a little clear. My, my jitters are going away. Like this is, he's, he's right. Like he is uncircumcised. And now you think that's funny. You think that's funny. Uncircumcised. Yes, I know. Enough turtleneck jokes. But he, he's uncircumcised. That one I did just say because I had the microphone. You're welcome. Be blessed. He says he's uncircumcised because of this. He was reminding himself, he was reminding Saul, and he was reminding the Lord's army whom their enemy was and whom their enemy was not. And he was reminding the Lord's army whom's they were and whom's they are not. And why do I say that? Because the only people circumcised in this day are not the Philistines. It is anybody who is not the Lord's chosen people. So David, he mounts up with his Birkenstocks and he says, no, no, no. This fool is uncircumcised. Get me today. Some of us, we need to start looking at sickness. We need to start looking at the world. We need to start looking at our culture. And we need to start going, nah, it's uncircumcised. The Lord didn't send that. The Lord didn't order that. The Lord isn't behind that. The Lord isn't with that. The Lord hasn't rescued these people, saved these people, chosen these people. The Lord hasn't chosen sickness to invade my home. No, it is uncircumcised. And because it is uncircumcised, it is positioned against the Lord. And when you are in direct opposition to the Lord, how many of you know you will bow, you will fall, and you will die? So David, he's doing what Christians need to do in 2022, and we need to start pointing some things out and say, nah, that's uncircumcised. That's the culture. That's a lie. We need to start calling it what it is. Because David, he tells Saul, and he tells the Lord army, look at him. Look at him. He doesn't measure up. He's not cut from the same cloth, no pun intended. He ain't. The Lord's chosen. But you know who is, Saul? You are. You know who is? My brothers who are all bigger and badder than me that you would have chosen to replace me. 
Every man here, the Lord has chosen. The Lord has ordained. The church, every person here, man, woman, infant, or child, there is no junior Holy Spirit, and there is no senior Holy Spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit. And I believe when you bend the knee, call Jesus Lord and Savior of life, and you come home to know him as your Lord and Savior, your God, your King, you are filled with that Holy Spirit. And guess what? Anything that stands against you, that stands against God, will fall, will bend a knee because they are not sent and they are not chosen, but you are. We got to start calling it what it is. You see, Saul started calling Goliath what Goliath called himself. Friends, you will be defeated by the enemy when you allow the enemy to dictate terms of whom they are, of what they are to you. I'm big, I'm bad, I'm loud, I got the sword, I got the men, I'm so big, my sword is so big that I got a guy who has to carry it for me. It's intimidation. But there ain't none bigger than the king of the universe. There ain't none bigger than the king of the universe. New Testament, there's someone who <laughs> withheld tithe to themselves that somebody said to, hey, you need to tithe, you need to give that. And guess what, Lord struck him dead. Does God kill people? Yeah. You do not stand against the word of the Lord. But if Christians begin to make agreements with the word of the world, don't be surprised when you succumb to the world, to the word of the Lord, or of the world. Amen. Worship team, you can make your way up here. We've been having a lot of fun, but it's time to bring the Holy Spirit back. So what happens is this. Saul starts to get stoked. Israel's army starts to get stoked. Everyone starts to get stoked, and they're like, yeah, 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 he is uncircumcised. Look at him. Look at him. You know what? We are ordered. We are called. We do have dominion. We do have authority. We have been chosen. We have been purposed. This, this, this is ours. Yeah, lion, bear, come on. Some of us, we need to start looking at what God has already done and delivered us from in our lives and start looking at our current opposition like God can do it again like we just sang. You believe that this morning? And so what happens is Saul starts to believe this. And Saul's like, you know what? This kid might be onto something. I'm not so convinced yet that, like, I'm down to go. But if you are, here you go, bro. Like, like, here's my armor. It's the finest in the kingdom because I'm the king. Like, I see the least amount of action. But, you know, uh, here's my armor. It's, it's the best because the king, in the event of he actually gets attacked or sees some action, I got to hopefully survive to leave this thing, right? And so he starts taking it off, and he's telling David, yeah, 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 take my armor. Like, go and may God be with you. Friends. Friends, when Christians and Jesus followers, the Lord's army, start calling it what it is, kings and nations and governments, they start proclaiming, go and may God be with you. Doesn't mean that they're going to fight with us. Doesn't mean that they're going to stand with us. Doesn't mean any of that, but it does mean they're going to make an allowance for the church to be the church and do what she's made to do. Do you hear what I'm saying today? A lot of people are scared. A lot of Christians living in fear about governmental overreach and overlords and all these things. And to you, I want to say this. There will come a day when you keep calling it what it is long enough and hard enough and for the duration of which God needs you to do it, when the nations will take notice. We're not giving up our kids. We're not giving up the next generation. We're not giving up our rights. We're not giving up because guess what? It's not up to the government to give us our inalienable rights is to protect our inalienable rights. And if you won't protect it, the Lord will go before us. 
Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Before we get pulled off Facebook? Probably will. I'm John Cena with it, you know what I'm saying? That's the best right there. Preaching section every Sunday, right there. Saul starts taking off his armor and David puts it on. And David just goes, something don't feel right. Something don't feel right about this. Something doesn't feel right. The Lord called me without this armor. The Lord called me with, with, with a lunch sack and Birkenstocks. This doesn't, this doesn't fit right. This wasn't made for me. And it's weird because right now you're, you want me to go out and fight Goliath in this armor. But this armor is untested. You want me to go out and fight Goliath in the same armor that you were just cowering to Goliath in. And suddenly what happens in this moment is what so many Christians do. And this is what happens when a pastor fails. Because we've been wearing their armor. We've been going with them instead of having our own relationship with the Lord. And when a pastor begins to fail, but we're still in their armor, we're still in their uh, tutelage, we're still underneath their authority, like before God's, what begins is what happens is we start, like David, we would have made an agreement instead of with God and what he's called us to do. We start making an agreement with Saul. But Saul was just on the floor. Saul was just crying. Saul was just down. And suddenly we find ourselves, when we make an agreement with Saul, before we make an agreement with God, we find our faith shipwrecked. We find our psyche and our mental ability fear-ridden. And we find ourselves shaken down, brittle to the bone scared of the world and everything else and we finally just get to a point where we're deconstructed we implode and our faith is out the window and David sure enough was not about to put on Saul's armor go to war and fight a war and fight a giant that Saul in that very armor wasn't willing to do that's why people quit when a pastor has a sexual falling out because they're not going to go to war in the armor that the pastor wasn't going to go to war for himself in. You got to call it what it is. And David calls it what it is. And he says, this is untested. You tell me this will protect me, but this is untested. This is unproven. And what happens next, and we'll skinny to this, is this next portion of scripture. It basically says this. It says that David gets up. Birkenstocks, leather satchel, chooses five smooth stones, and he has a sling. And the word of God records that he raises up to Philistine, to the Goliath, to this giant that him single-handedly himself had an entire army of the Lord cowering to. Goliath says, boy, I will feed your bones. I will feed your flesh. I will take your life from you, and I will give you to the birds and the critters of the ground. And Goliath out there looking like, I ain't as big as you. I don't got as much metal on me as you. I don't got as much money as you. I ain't got as much influence as you. I don't got as much going for me as you do. And yeah, you big. Is you old? I'm young and I'm small. 
You got proper boots on. I have terrible foot attire for this. But you know what? I'm called. I'm called. I'm called. And I won't let some uncircumcised Philistine, unchosen by God, stand here, mock my Lord, kill my brothers, put my people out of existence, and take what the Lord has ordered for his people. I won't let it. In fact, Goliath, today it won't be me that's given into your hands, but it's you that's given into mine. It's your bones, it's your body, it's your flesh that will be given and picked away by the birds and the creatures of the ground. And as, li- as Goliath is belly aching, you guys can rise to your seats. Just rest your feet. As, as Goliath is belly aching and says that, just like we're going to ask you to do in a moment says that <laughs> it says that David charged him with nothing more than a sling and some stones you see David didn't need a sword at least not a metal type because David has already made an agreement he only needed stones because he made an agreement with the rock of ages David only needed the agreement with Christ alone, the cornerstone. He didn't need a lethal sword of metal and material because he's got the lethalist sword on his lips, the agreement of the word of God. Amen? And what happens is this. We're getting ready to sing a song that says, Fear go, Holy Spirit come. Fear go, Holy Spirit come. Cancer go, Holy Spirit come. Sickness go, Holy Spirit come. Infection go, Holy Spirit come. This is what we're getting ready to sing in just a moment. So get ready because here's your moment. Here's your moment. It says that David had no sword in his hand. That is one of the most prophetic statements in the Bible and one that we need to have on our hearts and specifically on our lips. David had no sword in hand and yet his biggest opposition, his biggest enemy, his baddest enemy enemy fell to his feet and David took his head with his own sword. But David approached him with no sword in hand. That's because he didn't need a sword in hand for his enemy. He needed a sword in his mouth. He needed a sword on his lips. He needed what the Apostle Paul called the spirit of the word of God is our sword. When he talked about the armor of God, David didn't need a sword of steel because he had a sword of heaven on his lips. So right now, as the worship team begins to sing, get your swords ready. I don't know what healing you need in your body. I don't know what restoration your marriage needs. What I do know is we got leaders and we got oil. And James 5.16 says that if anyone is sick and needs healing in their bodies, to confess that to their leaders, pour oil on their heads, and pray that the Lord would heal them. And I'm going to invite you right now. What an incredible Sunday. What a time with the Lord. Right now, we're going to call it what it is, and I'm going to call you out. If you got a broken leg, if you need something that's grown, if you got some sickness in your body, come now to this altar. I'm going to pray with you. Zach's going to pray with you. Adrian's going to pray with you. We're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to sing, and we're going to worship, and we're going to praise God like it's already done, and we're believing that we will see it today. Sound good? Then come on. Let's go worship. Holy Spirit, come.
Come down, I'm praying. Like a fire, blow like the 